0: Well, we are continuing in our series, of our, our wrapping up our Advent series almost, a thrill of hope. I love that term thrill, or that word thrill. There is an excitement. I don't know for you guys, but as a believer, one thing I'm realizing is the more I give my, myself away, the more excited I get about the whole thing. The greater commitments I make, and I go public on them, the greater I move forward and accelerate my faith. The promises and standing on those promises and living through those things. Sometimes not being able to see any semblance that is going to come to pass. But knowing I serve a God, who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. I got a commitment. I got him promises. So, Luke chapter 1. Very familiar passage of Scripture to, to, to many in here. If you, you, you at least get kind of the gist of it if you're not familiar with it. Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to read... Uh, 30 to 33. I may jump back a little bit, and won't have it on the PowerPoint, but that's all right. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, don't, you, I'm gonna read the verses before. I think I need to do this just to make sure. Then we'll jump into 30 to 33. It said in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel sent went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Some of you need to hear that today. (laughs) If you believe that today, you don't even need to hear a whole lot more of what I'm going to preach to you today. If you just grasp that, the Lord is with you. He's with you. You just want to share that. I mean, the, the, just people interacting even yesterday this week. I just want you to know the Lord is with you. You may feel alone. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at this at his words and wondered what kind of greetings that might be. But Here we go if you've got this slide up there. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You... Have found favor with God. Man, could you imagine that? I'm way off. I don't even have this in my notes. But can you imagine if you begin to grasp the fact that you you don't... It would be great to have favor with Bill Gates. It would be great to have favor with the president, I guess, and all that kind of stuff. But let me say this. Let me say this. When you get spoken over you, you have favor with God. That's a game changer. If you grasp that and you walk in that, that you have favor with God. It's a life altering. Time stops. You will never be the same again kind of moment. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But I don't see it. You don't have to yet. Just begin to walk into it. And to begin to believe it. Sorry. I knocked a bell over just in case all of our other campuses are listening. I just knocked a bell over. Yeah. Anyway, I have no idea where I am here. You will conceive and give birth to a son. It's back to pick up in 31. You're call, and you are to call him Jesus do not underestimate what that meant to Mary there. I won't spend a lot of time on it today, but he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give you the th- the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and the re- and will he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Those are promises. Those are not debatable. Those are not something you can go, let, let me talk. No, though that is either all that's true or the rest of this is kind of we just throw it out, right? Because that, that is true. You might not read it as a promise, but you can take that as a promise because God, God has a lot of self-assurance about himself. i just let you know that. He's pretty comfortable in who he is and secure in who he is. And when he makes those statements, he's not looking around for a debate or anybody. That is just is what it is. And Mary's about to sing a song here in just a second. (laughs) It's going to confirm that. Now think about this. Just a reminder, it's been mentioned the last few weeks. Children of Israel had not heard from God in 400 or so years. No prophets speaking, no angels declaring, and they were suffering. Now, there was a lot of things going on, and I appreciate it. I was listening the other night. I appreciate a lot of things that were going on in those 400 years. It wasn't like God wasn't up to something, okay? God was up to something. He was preparing the way, uh, you know, in the fullness of time, Jesus was going to come. There were things going on in history, culture, that were changing to, to prepare the way. But to the people, to the children of Israel, he was silent. Because why? They couldn't see what was going on. But it was moving. Things were happening. There was something underneath going on to prepare the way of our Lord. Remember that. When you feel like God is silent... He may be doing more in his sight, what you call silence, than he is when he, you think he's speaking. Underneath. You can't see it. Then there comes this ray of hope. And it comes from the most unusual place from a teenage pregnant peasant girl unwed God uses the most unusual things he uses donkeys he uses all kinds of bushes he uses he uses a lot of different things to come and speak to us and I'll say this it doesn't really matter how God speaks as long as he does speak and let me tell you this, when God does speak, he speaks for a purpose. He speaks with authority. So when he does speak, he's not sitting there. When you know he's spoken, he's not, going, he's not asking for debate between you and him. He's spoken. What I love about what happens with Mary, when God speaks over something, the ordinary can become extraordinary. And become something powerful. So let me read this passage of Scripture in a promise in, one, in Luke 1, 39-55. It's quite a few verses here, but it really, they're short verses. So let me read it. At this time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Okay? And and that's John the Baptist, so you know. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. We talked about that last, last week. John the Baptist is the poster child for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord will fulfill His promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies and magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He is mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercies extend to those from generation to generation. Now, here's where it gets political. <laughs> He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their utmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich off away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remember to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. He said it. He's going to do it. He promised it. See, Mary knew before anyone else who Jesus was. Obviously, she understood it. She's Mary's song here. It's in many places, or it is called the Magnificat, and it's filled with dynamite, if you will, because it challenges. It says someday everybody who's the ruler, everybody who's in charge, it's not going to be what you think it is. There's someday all this is going to be enough. God's going to say enough. William uh, William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury, instructed his missionaries in poverty-stricken India to never read the words of Mary's song in public because it could incite riots in the streets that the poor someday this is all going to even out someday right now it seems unfair right now it doesn't seem like it should be but someday see Advent is about a promise it's the promise of a coming Christ coming back for his church for his bride And as Mary sang that song, the words of Amos I think about, says justice will flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream, washing away the wrong and setting all things right. The coming advent, the coming of Christ. One, John John was preaching it, John was leading it, but he says he's coming again, Mary's saying. and I want to be real clear I don't believe Jesus is coming back metaphorically symbolically mystically incognito secretly Christ will return personally literally visibly suddenly dramatically gloriously triumphantly He's coming back. And let me say this. Those saved or not saved, whichever way you own, will not be questioning, who is this? Right, right. Scripture is very clear about that. Right. Uh-huh. Not one person will wonder or misunderstand or make the mistake that Christ, oh, I, I thought that was someone else. No, you will know. Right. We will all know. Revelation 1-7 says, Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and everyone will see Him. That's a promise, baby. That's a promise. Scripture is full of promises. And it doesn't have to say it's a promise. It's just a statement by God. And you just go, Okay, that's a promise. You can put that in the bank. That's going to happen. And there's some promises in Scripture that have conditions, and others that we have without conditions. They just say this is going to happen, whether you do something or don't do something. This is going to happen. But then there are some that there's conditions that's made to us. There's I mean there's promises made to us that have conditions. There's a lot of them. The overwhelming part of them have conditions attached to them. You sow generously, you will reap generously. That's a promise. But here's the problem. So many of us want God to keep his promises, but there's a condition attached to it. And it's not because God was unfaithful. It was because the person who's trying to grasp it's unfaithful somewhere along the way. Because there was a condition attached to the promise. He is a God of promises, and he is a God for sure that keeps his promises. But there are some conditions on some of those promises. Now, unfortunately, we live in a world where making a commitment's kind of a not what it used to be, kind of deal. <laughs> we're not we're just a few days away from. New years, and I would say all kinds of people, and I would say many in this room are going to make New Year's resolutions, right? And we may go very public with them. And there are things we either don't want to do, or things we want to start doing, or whichever way we want to go with it. But here's the problem with that: is is that I'm not. We we, we want to make a resolution, and I think the reason why we use the term resolution because it doesn't sound like a promise or a commitment, a real one. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Because if i use the term resolution, that means with a month in, I don't really don't have to do it. And we live in this culture today, and it's always been around. Don't, don't misunderstand, but, but I think it's more this day and age, especially with social media and the, and the, the idea that you can be left out of something, so you're kind of holding your options to the last minute to try to commit to something, so you, so you don't want to com- overcommit, right? You want to leave your options open. You don't want to feel trapped. And I think that would be all right on things that, in some things in life that don't matter. But the problem is, I think in our culture today, that's bleeding into so many other areas that do matter. We want to give a pre qualifier. We are going to give a disclaimer up front just in case I want to bail at any point. It has seismic, unintentional rip, ripples when it comes to the most important things in life. And I will say this, I think we've got to, comm- I don't think it's a full-blown committal issue. We'll commit to Oh, let's say club sports we'll drive for hours we'll spend thousands and thousands of dollars and man they're going to be on time and they're going to be also we don't have a full blown committal issue we've got it in certain places and I'm not here to condemn I'm just saying we've got You know, I know committal in itself we just know we will do that what we don't have many times is the things that matter most in life. And I think the biggest challenge for many people is they've never sat down and asked the question, what matters most? And am I committed to those things? Some of you have a more an allegiance to a TV program than to the things that matter most in life. You'd rather wear that tribe badge than some of the things that matter most. And to figure out how to live into the matter most, to make the time and the, and the finance, whatever it is, to the things that matter most. And we all deal with it. Don't, don't misunderstand that I'm pointing the finger at you. I deal with it too. We all have to look at it though. Because where we, you only got a certain amount of time You know, I could have all the money in the world and lose it all and get it all back again, but what I will not get is time. It's very confusing to your kids, it's very confusing to your grandkids. when especially your relationship to the Lord, your commitment to even a local church, is more like a good option than it is the very center of your life. It's confusing. And to think that you're going to hand that off to the next generation that they will want to be a body, as it was mentioned to just earlier, that they want to be a part of a body of Christ, which I believe the local church is the hope of the world. I really do. And it's pockets around the world and around our community. I really do believe that through Christ. I do believe that. But when, we, and when it's always that's kind of a good option, see, convenience, anything that's just convenient and a good option, I mean, uh, th- that that's, you're just merely interested in is a good option, you will do at your convenience. When you're committed, you'll do whatever it takes. Let me ask you a question this morning. How good is your word? What does your circle of influence expect from you? I love this phrase. Actually, I really don't, but I say it this way, just a disclaimer. This phrase here. I like being around them because they put no expectations on me. Really? And you're sitting there going, well, what's the problem with that? I want to live a life, I don't know about you, where people have expectations of me. I don't want to be close enough to people, and I want to be in a position where those who think the most of me have a high level of expectation. Why would you want to live differently? Why would you want to go? I can't count on them because I know what to expect from them, which is nothing. Do you really want to be known that way? Thank goodness our relationship to an almighty God is not, well, I wonder if I can count on. And I believe he wants his people that that when people mention your name and you commit to something, they can count count on that they can go cash the check put it in the bank a people of our word a people of promise a people of commitment because we serve a God of promise we serve a God of commitment some extravagant commitments by the way some ridiculous commitments by the way (laughs) he makes to us you ever heard of unconditional love? You ever heard of grace? That's extravagant. That's ridiculous. He, he says that he will take my sins and remember them no more. He will, it's as if they never happened. It's as far as the east is from the west. That's how far. That's extravagant, folks. I know I'm loud. (laughs) But I want to tell you, that's extravagant. That's unbelievable. That's ridiculous. (laughs) But that's the God we serve. And he wants us to be that people. To look like that. In training this week, you know, I the last few le- weeks, you know, you, you look around and you go, what kind of commitment as a church do we make to our community? What kind of commitment do we make to the people who walk in this room each week that attend here? What, what are those commitments? What are we promising? What are we saying? You know, I was training with Jeff and, and Pastor Sarah. She was up here just a few minutes ago, those who don't know her, our children's pastor. And I asked him. I said, you need to be able to answer this question to parents. Why should my child be involved at all in church where basically it's a non-negotiable? Why? And if you convince them of that, of why they need to be, then here comes the second question I think you need to be able to answer. If it's that important and that critical and that non-negotiable, why should I trust you with my most precious possession, which is my children? You need to be able to answer those. And I told them, I said, you need to figure out your answers to those. We need to be able to make a promise. We need to be able to make a commitment. We were talking about it, and I said, you know, at Crossroads when I was a youth pastor there, our commitment to parents was, if, you let your, if you'll give your child to us, we will try to help lead them to a head-on collision with Jesus Christ. Well, it's not like when you're walking through a crowd where you feel like you just brushed up against somebody. No, we're going to have you at at, at three-point stance and run as hard as you can and hit each other. That kind of remembrance of you have met the creator of the universe. And there is no question you rubbed up against, just brushed up against him. The power of a promise made, but the power of a promise kept. What Dustin and Charity did a while ago, they went public. They went public because the commitment they made here. Sure, Elliot, she was here, but the commitment was by them. There's sometimes you're sitting around waiting on God, and He's waiting on you to truly commit. He's waiting on you to step forward. He's waiting on you. Years ago, when and you've heard me share, many of you heard me share this before, when Sydney, our oldest daughter, was 14 months old, she had a, we thought an aneurysm in, 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 in her, when she had her left eye closed completely, and, and uh, today she still has some issues with that left eye, most, many of you know, but her left eye closed completely. We were concerned that, that we had told it's possibly an aneurysm, so we went from Texarkana, Texas, up to Little Rock Children's Hospital, and at that hospital there, you know, I'd prayed to God. I'd been a Christian at that time eight months, and I prayed, Lord. It, we were in Texarkana. I was in that little, little just, just praying over her, and says, Lord, if you will heal Sydney, I'll do whatever you ask. How many of you have ever had those kind of prayers? I'll go, to, I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll do you know, of course, I don't even know what that means at that time. You're just saying it, right? You don't really know what that means. But you're praying it, and so I'm praying it, and I'm praying and I'm praying We get to Little Rock we were concerned Uh, at that time uh she's doing an mri and they're trying to work through all of a couple of days there and i remember getting up walking down the the, i was in the waiting room walking down the hallway there and in in the children's hospital i said lord i know i told you if you'd heal sydney i'll do whatever you ask but i've changed my mind whether you heal her or not i'll do whatever you ask Two weeks later I was called to preach and I never had that in my mind ever, in my mind ever preach to do anything along that line. Sometimes he's waiting on you. Sometimes things will never be discovered in your life till you commit. They just won't be discovered. Gifts will never come to the surface. Spiritual gifts will never come up because you won't commit. Your finances you've been looking for the blessing and the spirit of generosity you've been looking for ain't coming, baby. It's not coming. Because you won't commit. The time to margin out so you can spend time in helping others in your gifts and graces and your experiences. You, you, you go, well, I would love to do this or that. It ain't coming. Because there's a commitment somewhere that may have to happen before you get there. Something else has to happen on your end because the promise is conditional. And this ain't about don't walk out here today. Oh, this guy, that guy's preaching about earning his salvation. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. I have never preached that and will never preach that because I know that's not. I tell people today if it wasn't for God's grace, I never got in because I'd messed up too bad. But because of His grace, I want to find out what I'm supposed to be up to. But because of his love for me, not I want to earn his love, it's because of his love. Isn't that different? It's his love that motivates me. It's his love that drives me. That's different. Marriage. When we're afraid to commit, I didn't think I'd ever be married. Wanna leave my options open. <laughs> yeah, we still did that thirty years ago too, by the way, just so you know. <sighs> I've had a friend of mine, he's been for decades, has told me he 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 knows what it's like to be married. Because he's lived with enough women. And I just laugh. (laughs) It ain't the same. (laughs) There's something about that commitment. It changes everything. It, It changes everything. Let me say this before I talk about marriage as we start to close this this morning. In my opinion, just so you know who we are as a church, and our love for people I believe is genuine, but I believe it's about marriage. Marriage will always be what marriage was created to be, no matter what culture or society wants it to be or defines it to be. Just so you know, that's what we believe here. And we love everybody. But we believe marriage is what it is we believe this. No marriage is ever about just that couple. No one gets married or is married in a vacuum. It's either ignorance or arrogance that believes that. <laughs> How healthy or unhealthy has a direct effect if you have children, not only when they're in your home, but even when they leave your home. has a direct or indirect effect on your parents, your siblings, your friends, and yes, your co-workers and employers. It is about future generations. It is critical for our society. But let me say this. I realize... It is unfortunate that there are times that doesn't work out the way you had hoped, and maybe your idea of what marriage would have been didn't work out. I want you to know God's grace extends to all those areas. Don't hear that I'm saying today. You, you, and I'm going to mention something here in just a minute. I hopefully help you, but we just need to talk about what it's what's intended. What, What I believe God intended. When Jan and I got married 33 years ago, if I had been Jan's pastor, instead of going to be her husband, I would have recommended her not to marry me. (laughs) And that's a fact. And you would say, right. I would have said that, wouldn't I? There's no question I would have said that. But let me tell you this. The last 32 years... I have been trying to do everything to the transforming power of God's grace and His resurrected life to become the man she should have married. And I'm still becoming that man and trying to become that man. But I was not that man. So I want to give you some hope here. Okay, I want to give you some hope. And no matter you where know, you go, you may not think of much of me right now. So maybe that's not giving you much hope. But anyway, hopefully it is. But, you know, when we have wedding ceremonies, and I've mentioned this before, you know, we, we have wedding ceremonies now. And this goes back to the promise, the commitment that I believe that we are to have. The wedding ceremonies, you know, are so much more this day and age, I think about the, about the show than it is, the substance. That's just my, that's an opinion I have. And my opinions many times are wrong. I'm just telling you, it's my opinion. Most of the guests you have that come to it, especially if it's pretty extravagant, are concerned more about what the buffet is going to look like. (laughs) And they're going to feel a little cheated if it's not good enough. (laughs) They're not concerned what the pastor says. They're not concerned what your vows are for the most part. I'm just being honest. They really don't they're not going to be in your life for the most part, most of them, to help you be accountable to those vows. They're just not. Matter of fact, they listen to them and they're going, ooh, you're saying that in public? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's not cool. <laughs> because most of them, many, well, many times, for them, they're not living into that, so they sure wouldn't think you should live into that. Or maybe they should, who knows, <laughs> even though they may not be. When a wedding ceremony happens, there's some pretty extravagant vows that are made there. It's extravagant. It's ridiculous. And if you thought it through and had really good counseling, you wouldn't do it. At least make the vows. Kind of like you would. But okay, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Because I said this, I shared this the other day with someone. I said, you know, it's kind of like the oxen illustration I've used used here before. I think it's the oxen. If one oxen by themselves can pull eight thousand pounds. Two oxens together can, can pull thirty two thousand pounds. That's what happens in a marriage to me. When you only got two people, two people, they, yeah, maybe they can pull eight thousand pounds apiece. But when you put them together, they can pull thirty two thousand pounds together. It changed. So the God math is pretty cool. Just test him, he says. He says to test him. Test him in his math. <laughs> test him. I love what Russell Moore says, and I've read this years ago, a few years ago, and he's with the Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention, but says this here. He said, and so when we are gathering together for a wedding, we have a gathering of witnesses. The people there aren't just guests at the party. There are people who are witnessing the vows that are being made with an explicit message there. We are representing the body of Christ to hold you accountable to these vows, to help you through these vows, to support you as you seek to keep these vows. A couple starting out a wedding, frankly, don't know the vows that they need to make without the rest of the body of Christ. With those who've gone before them, a 25-year-old couple, they are not thinking about Alzheimer's disease. They are not thinking about what happens when we find out that our small child is dying with cancer. They don't think about what happens if one of us commits adultery and we have to work through the aftermath of that. The rest of the body of Christ is speaking of the fact that the vows you are making to one another aren't simply when things are in good conditions as they are right now. And it's not simply when things are in conditions that you can imagine right now, but it's this in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, till death do us part. Those are the sort of vows... That you ought to be making. They're ridiculous. They're ridiculous. But I want to tell you. There are people in this room. That I've got a chance to watch. Walk those vows out. And it's pretty awesome to watch. It's pretty awesome to watch. I'm going to do something here. And <laughs> Jeff. You're going to get to come up, too. I'm going to ask, uh, just so you know, before Jeff comes, Paige, we can't get her to wake up. She was coming this morning, okay? Paige worked graveyard last night at PCH. It's only her second week, so she's struggling getting out of bed. So we are trying to call her. That's Paige. So they're about to be married this week, and I mean, this next month. But, uh, he, but I'm going to ask you to come up here anyway, because I know your guys' heart. But I'm going to ask Michael and Sam to come, and I'm going to ask Jordan and Joey to come at this time. Should I get a, a, a stand or something? Kind of feel like he doesn't. <laughs> I started to get somebody to just come and stand in place, but I don't want to replace them with a person. I'd just rather it be a, an object or something. Okay. Okay, so, so we won't do that. Let me say this about these couples they are awesome. If you don't know them, you need to get to know them. And God is doing an unbelievable work in their lives, they are committed. Not only to each other, and I believe that with all my heart, they are committed to Him first. Full-blown, all in, and I mean in all areas of their life. And you go, we're going to build the church with everyone that supports it. I'm going to tell you, God is raising up. And He has already started doing that here. And I know at renovation, I'm sure He is everywhere else too. But I'm going to read this. Let's go ahead and put up. This is what I would normally do, a charge uh, no, the charge, Tori, go back. If you don't have it. And this is what I would ask before I was going to do, if I was going to do their wedding. It says, do you promise in the presence of God and this gathering of family and friends to seek to be all Christ wants you to be, to encourage uh, your soon-to-be spouse in their spiritual walk, to dedicate your, the, the, your home and the raising of any children the Lord may give you to the glory of God? And do you commit your best to making every part of your life together to be pleasing and honoring to the Lord. And I'm not going to ask you guys to say it here, but do you so promise? That's the I will. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous! If you take God out of it, it is. But in God math, (laughs) it's unbelievable what can happen in the midst of that. But in the middle of all that, what I read about Russell Moore a while ago, most of the people or a lot of the people that will be at your wedding will not be in this congregation. Some will, but most won't. So guess what I'm going to ask you today? I'm going to ask you... Flip the next one, toy. i want to ask you to stand if you're willing to do this. If you're willing, you don't need to. Especially if you're a part of this local church. You don't have to do it. And I, agree, I realize and I threw this at you. And you don't have to say it out loud if you don't mean it. Because I want you, if you make the promise, I want you to live to it. <laughs> we as your church family, read with me, representing the body of Christ are here to encourage and help you as you seek to keep the extravagant vows you are making. As the body of Christ, we are here to hold you accountable to these vows but we are also here for you. to Know that you are not alone. Our prayers will be with you and for you. May we, with humility and seriousness, be an example that makes your life together more joyful, fruitful, and blessed as we share this journey together. Amen and amen. You guys may be seated. Give my hand, there, guys. <clears throat> Michael and Sam get married the thirtieth. Joey. And Jordan get married on the 6th, if Paige is awake, <laughs> she gets married on the 12th to Jeff. So in the next two weeks, basically, we'll have three new couples here in our church. I think that's pretty awesome, just so you know that. <laughs> married couples. I said couples. Married couples. You know what I mean but. And you come today with all that and clapping and all that, knowing that some of you again are here today and it is a tough season. As much joy as these three couples are having and will have over these next few weeks, Mary knew it had been 400 years. (laughs) At least she, in some ways, did. But God was working. He was up to something. You know, I was raised in Arkansas, and most of you know, and one of the things that they did where I was raised, Warehouser was the company at the time, did a lot of clear cutting. may know what clear cutting is? Where they come in and just strip the land. They just strip it, and all they leave. they don't even bulldoze the wood up in a pile. They just leave everything, everything's just left there. My mom's and dad's road is about, they lived about Two miles out on a dirt road, they've right now. If you went there, where they both passed away, if you went there, it's all stripped all the way back. to. I mean, you can see their house from the main road, which you didn't used to be able to. I mean, yeah, they drive a long ways to see it, but now it's cleared. But as a kid, when they started doing that back in the '70s, one of the things I thought was awesome was—and some people cheated, but I thought it was awesome—they would plant seedlings. They would strip it, then they would come in and plant these seedlings. And you'd get hired in the summer as a teenager to go out and put these seedlings in all over these massive acres. And what's awesome is you couldn't see much, but, man, you go back 20 years later. it's already been stripped twice, I think, since I grew up there because they've grown, stripped it again, replanted, grown again. It's a little bit of what's happened here at renovation. We had to do some clear-cutting. It was great trees before. But there comes a point, it needs to be cut so it can be replanted. So that's what we've been doing. And I say this, sometimes you don't see much. Oh yeah, you can walk in and say, hey, you did a lot of work. But we're talking about depth in people's lives. It's why we're here. It's not about changing the facility. But I think God's up to something. The other night, a Rise, they showed this video. And you may be in this place because one of the a of winter season, and I, I, I know we maybe not have time, but I want to show this as we end today. It's from a hill song, it's a song called Seasons. Let's go ahead and show that. As Josiah and the group come back up, we're going to close, the king of my heart. I just want you to know, I know what it's like to live through the winter. And you don't see it. You don't know it's coming. You don't know how it'll come. But I love the picture of the sequoia. I don't know if we have that or not. We have those? They're massive. They came from a little seedling. One of the things years ago when we went through the, uh, the Muirwood, one out of north of San Francisco, there was one laying down, dead, no longer connected. And there were six others growing out of it. Even in its death, it gave life. Even in your death, will even through that, life will continue to grow Maria Robertson's statement that we have read many times here nobody can go back and start a new beginning but anyone can start today and make a new ending by God's grace by his grace yeah you've screwed up Yeah, you maybe wish you'd got some things in place. Maybe you didn't know what you were doing. You're trying to do your best. But today, some of you need to go public. And go, I don't understand what all this means. But one thing I know is God is stirring in me. He is stirring in me this day to make a commitment. And it's public. Many times we do an altar call here and we, and I'm not going to do that today, that way. (laughs) We're going to sing just one, one part of it then I'll stop you. If you want us today as a body of believers to pray for you, it's Josiah saying Now you can come to these altars. I'm not saying that, but sometimes that's hard. One of the greatest gifts you can give to the people that love you most this year is to commit all in the best you understand it. Let me tell you, I didn't even know what the first book of the Bible was the first Christmas I was in. So you don't have any excuse. (laughs) Okay? I didn't know what the first book of the Bible was. But I knew something was happening. I was 26 years old and didn't know. But something was happening. And all I knew was to step into it figure it out later. It's Josiah and him saying, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to just, everybody else stay seated if you don't want to stand, but to stand right where you are if you want us to pray for you. And to go public the best you know how. To say I want to be everything, everything that God is calling me to be. And whatever it takes, and I love what he says, if your work's not done, I'm not done waiting. (laughs) So, Josiah, let me pray for us. You sing, and I know we're running. We're all right. We're not meeting next week, so I'm getting all of it in right now. Okay, Lord, thank you right now. Lord, use this time to stir for some folks to go public in your name.